clearly something's missing. You're not going to leave better for just equally better. Like, why would you do that? So if it's not the other person that's pulling you away, that missing thing that is in the relationship, whether it's like you're, you're both of the same purpose, you have the same path in life or this other person, um, it has a higher sex drive just like me or whatever it is. Um, you know, those are probably things, issues that would have come up later on in your relationship. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Interim Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash halfhourintern. Or if you would just like to leave a review on iTunes, that would be so helpful for the show as well. Just head on over to iTunes, click on the Reviews tab, and uh, you can leave a review for the show. On to today's episode. In it, it is part two of our interview with Amy Baldwin, who is a sex educator and owns a sex uh, shop as well in Santa Cruz, California. Um, But for the purposes of this interview, we're doing the sex education piece. So in part one that we had on Monday, we had uh, listeners like you guys send in questions. In part one, we covered questions that were sent in by women. Today, we have all of the questions that were sent in by men. So let's jump right into it. All right, Amy, let's go ahead and start tackling some of these questions for men here for part two. So um, some of these questions we actually kind of already tackled in part one. So I'm going to go ahead and skip those ones. I'll give them a quick mention in case people, uh, we have like men tuning in that maybe didn't listen to part one or women tuning in that didn't listen to part one and they want to go back and listen to that. So if you have questions about the G-spot, go back and listen to part one. We had a man write in a question for that, but that's covered in part one. Um, we have a question sent in by a man about not have possibly not having enough sex and like i feel like my sex drive isn't like where it should be at blah 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 we definitely cover that in part one as well so go and listen to part one if you have that question so we'll skip those on to these other questions um first one is my partner doesn't reach orgasm all the time it seems like it bothers me a lot more than it bothers her what would you recommend i slash we do about this all right yeah i think we kind of covered a little bit of this before as well but this is always a worthy question to get into. I, I mean, the most important thing is um, kind of like w- to to ask this person be what what are you doing and when are they not orgasming all the time? Is it from penetrative sex? Is it from oral sex? Is it from fingers? Do they? Is it just like sporadic? You kind of don't really know a hit or miss. Um, my assumption here is that they don't orgasm all the time with penetrative sex, which we did talk about earlier, uh, and that you know the majority of women don't orgasm from penetrative sex. It's something like 80% are orgasming with clitoral stimulation as there's so many nerve endings on the clitoris. It's the powerhouse of pleasure. Um, so most women need some sort of clitoral stimulation simultaneously as during penetration to actually have an orgasm during penetration. So I would say that that would be one of the key things. And also with what we talked about earlier, um, you know, talking about presence, you know, is your, is your partner um, in their head? Are they feeling insecure? Is there shame or trauma from their past or from your current relationship that they haven't moved through yet that they're carrying into your sex life? Uh, because that stuff really, really sticks around and comes up and 
even if it's from 10 or 20 years ago, it can really linger and affect someone's ability to feel safe in uh, intimate relationship. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different components to look at. If, if it really is a shame trauma factor, or if it's like more of a positioning, um, hitting the right spot issue. And so it's a conversation I would have with your partner. Okay, cool. So start everything out with the conversation and then take it from there. Yeah. Cool. So the next question I'm now realizing we also sort of covered in part one. Um, I will read it again anyways, in case there's anything that you want to add or, or okay. uh, reiterate or anything like that. Um, sometimes I come really quickly. It really bothers me. And it seems like the more I think about it, the more likely it is to happen. Is there anything I can do to help short of just don't think about it? Yeah, I think this is good that we're covering this again, because we did talk about uh, the kind of the psych out when we get in our heads and we tell ourselves, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. I always come too quickly. And then we come too quickly because we're too in our heads. Um, one thing that's really helpful here, though, sometimes w- when this is happening, it's because we have too much focus or emphasis on uh, that part of our body. So in this case, this is a man. So we're going to assume it's a penis. And um, so if this person is kind of as we, as we were talking about earlier as well as a meditation, they focus energy or attention on other parts of their body except for their penis, like um, kind of like a body scan mindfulness meditation. So they could close their eyes and try to focus their attention on their lower belly and then try to feel that part of them without touching it, just feeling, tapping into that part of them and then try relaxing the lower belly and then move to the hips, you know, maybe the right hip and then try to feel that part and relax that and then left hip, feel it, relax it. And then moving down to the inner thighs and um, outer thighs and just all the areas around the genitals. And what someone might find is as they've relaxed those parts of the body and, and shifted their attention elsewhere, that the attention now isn't on the penis and all of a sudden the penis, um, the attention there has gone down. So maybe, and the erection might go down a little bit too with that, but the arousal state can go down as well. So um, really playing with the focus and how we can move that around the body to um, put our attention where we want it to go. That definitely sounds a lot better than the kind of the time honored, like thinking about your grandma or something like that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> of just like thinking about other areas of your body. That's way nicer, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think bringing more mindfulness and awareness in the body is much more helpful and useful than thinking about grandma or what were some <laughs> things like, like baseball facts or yeah, sports totally. or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. On to the next one. What are some suggestions for foreplay that aren't quote unquote typical? It's not a non-typical foreplay. I think some people would think of typical foreplay as like massage and rubbing and kissing and rubbing some breasts and nipple play and all those fun things. Um, I mean, the world is your oyster of all the things that you can do. Um, so there's there's so many fun things that you can do and so many fun props that you can do. Um, or use for that for the most part. I think sensation play is a really fun thing. And um, even if you don't identify as a kinky person to experiment with some light sensations that sensation play that you would use in kink. So maybe blindfolding your partner and um, using different tools, utensils, different materials to rub on their naked body, um, kind of up and down their naked body just to kind of see and maybe have them guess. I don't know, just to see what happens with that. Also, I think with foreplay, one of the big things that comes up for people in long-term relationships, especially, is um, I hear partners 
that are a little upset or I thought upset, disappointed that their partner has, is neglecting most of their body. And they're kind of just using foreplay as you going to uh, secondary erogenous zones or erogenous zones. So secondary erogenous zones would be like lips, uh, nipples, breasts, things like that. And then erogenous zones, like your primary erogenous zones are going to be your genitals. And a lot of times in long-term relationships, because people just kind of either want to get to the point because they're so goal-oriented, or <laughs> they, which is just so common in our Western yeah, society. Yeah, or they feel constrained for time or like whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, or there's time, but or they just know, they kind of figure out that they know what their pa- partner likes, or maybe they're thinking about themselves. Well, I'd like if someone would just touch my genitals right off the bat, so that's what my partner must like. But People forget about the whole rest of the body, how nice it can feel to have someone um, licking and lightly kissing up your the back of your neck and your upper back and your shoulders and um, your lower back and down your sides and like down the sides of your legs and down your feet and all. You know, there's your whole body can be in a, like a, one big erogenous zone, um, and I think it's really important for people to remember not to neglect the rest of the body and by touching the rest of the body the more you do that the more energy and time you put on the entire body the more you relax the person and also make them feel safe and therefore then they can fully relax and drop into the sexual experience yeah absolutely do you have any suggestions for uh books websites games like anything that uh would would give people some good ideas um for there's a lot of books out there there's a lot of books that are just like sex toy 101 books that, that people can use. I mean, for our, for our website, if you go to purepleasureshop.com, uh, and then if you go into something that's like the, the kink section of our website, you'll see uh, all kinds of different like tools and props, you know, like floggers and like soft sensation, uh, toys and, um, all kinds of fun things, feather ticklers. Like I've even had people use props like not, not you can use like the spanky part of a hairbrush to spank, but also like the comby part of a hairbrush to rub up and down the body. There's so many different things that you can get creative with. And there's a really great book called um, 101 Great Nights of Sex. And it's cool because it has a different, for each day, for each 101 days, it has a different task and it's sealed. So you can't see what it is. And it gives you this fun sexual adventure that's really more geared towards foreplay that you can um, do with your partner. It's won awards. It's actually really creative. It's not just like lick here and touch there. So I think that's a really, really great option for people. That's really cool. A, that sounds awesome. B, it's it's nice. I think a lot of people, when they think about sex-related books and stuff like that, like the primary one that would come to mind is like the Kama Sutra, things like that. And those things, like you said, are just straight up like, sex orient you know like it, it yeah. they're, you're starting at the finish line you know yeah exactly um, so. yeah very goal oriented <clears throat> all right so uh on to the next question here does penis size matter and can i make my penis bigger Ooh, that's a big question um yes yeah, so penis size does not necessarily matter i would say the most important thing is what you do with it it really is what you do with it it's about the energy it's about the attention it's about the focus it's about your presence. It's about your, your, you know, some skills are great. Um, I think, you know, energy and focus and like the actual connection is much more important. And then skills are still important, but they think they would come next. And then size, I think would actually come last. Um, and it depends on the person. I know plenty of people that 
that have a preference for penis size. But if they met someone that was absolutely incredible and amazing and maybe had a smaller penis, they would probably still totally date them and fall in love with them. Um, and again, especially if that person was open to either learning some skills or had sexual skills and knew um, how to be fully present and give to their partner. So I think really the biggest thing is going to be that um, that drive to feel connected, to to give, to be an excellent giver, to not be a selfish lover, um, and to be fully present for um, for your partner. And then after that, skills and then penis size. So um, it's kind of like a, a not exactly, maybe a little bit depending on the person. But I think there's other things for, that are much more worthy of you worrying about. Um, and to make your penis bigger, there is a cock pump called the bath, bathmate, bathmate pump. It's a water pump. So most pumps are air pumps. And air pumps really... Um, they're, it's, they're just not really that effective. Like they provide a nice suction. So some people just like the feeling and things will look and get bigger inside the tube as you're suctioning. And then when you take it off, gravity kind of sets in and they go back to their regular size. Right. Uh, the Bathmate water pumps, they have a couple of them. There's like the Bathmate Hercules and the Bathmate X10, X20 or whatever the numbers are. Um, and so what you do is you fill it up with water and then you put it on your cock while you're in the shower or the bathtub or something along those lines. You only pump it like twice because it's really intense suction. And then you leave it on for about 10 to 15 minutes. And the water, the element of the water actually works with the tissue of your skin to make it thicker and more spongy. And so when you take it off, your cock actually will be thicker and bigger for a longer amount of time. So it, it actually is an effective pump. Still company, basically yeah. temporary. So it's like it will be temporary, bigger, yeah. but so it'll be bigger for the next hour if you want to try yeah. to have sex or something. It's not going to be bigger two days from now. Exactly. And and like, yeah, but it will be bigger for a longer amount. You know, it's bigger than for more than five minutes. So bigger for a little period of time. But yeah, then it will go to your normal size. The company does claim that you might be able, if you use it enough, then it will make your cock bigger, bigger in the long run. And I don't really, it's really hard to stretch um, scratch, stretch tissue like that permanently. And yeah, also, I mean, if you just think about any other part of your body, you know, like the, think yeah. of all the kids that want to be taller or what, you know, it's yeah. like, there's just no real solution for that. It's like, sorry, it just kind of is yeah. what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't really purchase one with the hope that it will change you in the long run. Um, uh, but you do, I, you know, I actually heard about this pump from a friend even before I knew about it from the sex industry and he he came up to me he's like Amy I can be any size that I want to like I can be the size of my my wrist if I want or not size like thickness of my wrist if I want to and I was like what and he told me about this pump and since then I know a lot of people who have used them who aren't even my customers who swear by it so it actually is effective um you know just for a short period of time if that's something that you want to play around with yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, this whole question and everything makes me think of a couple things. One is that earlier during the, uh, in the last episode about sex questions for women, and we touched on a little bit earlier in this episode, you mentioned that like about 80% of women need like have to have clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. So it's like, I mean, if that is the case and it, it, I, I can't see where penis size would really matter that much if clitoral stimulation is going to be the main method that, that your girlfriend or wife or whatever is going to get an orgasm, you know? Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is after getting in these questions, I did some like searching online for different questions and this and that. And, um, and one of the things that came up when I was looking at all this different sex-related info online is that it's something like 
like 10 to 1 searches that women do for my partner's penis is too big than Mm -hmm. my partner's penis is too small. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it seems to be a much more concerning thing, um, or or makes the sex more difficult if your partner's penis is too big than the other way around if it's too small. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's. I mean, there the pe- the the while the vaginal canal does um, kind of grow in size, it kind of like lifts up, and there's more size and more room in there when someone's aroused. It still has a limited amount of uh, length that it can tolerate and same and same with girth you know it has it has a limited amount of stretch it can, and it can fit it can fit a lot in there but yeah there is such thing as too big it's it's definitely an issue um all right let's uh let's move on here i find it difficult to get an erection and i'm only in my mid-20s is there anything i can do to help um kind of like same same old like what's wrong with me sort of question yeah, uh, my first assumption here is that this person is, I, my, or my first question, I guess, would be the same thing I've been asking. I ask everyone: <laughs> Are you in your body? Where are you when you're trying to get an erection? When you're aroused? When you're playing with someone else? Uh, chances are, this person might be in their head with the same kind of psych out of became the same kind of destructive thought process of. I'm, I'm not going to get hard. I can't keep an erection. It'll go down. You know, and then, of course, that's what happens. It's too much um, emphasis it's on this like self-fulfilling prophecy that this isn't going to happen for them. Um, and I think it was Charlie Glickman. He's a really wonderful um, sex and relationship coach, author. He's a sex educator. And he had this example of... Um, when your body is flooded with adrenaline, so like the fight or flight response, like, oh, fuck, this isn't going to work or I got to get the fuck out of here or whatever that is. And that is like not erection enhancing hormones. And so like if you think of caveman days when Kate, you know, caveman was out and then a bear was going to chase after them and they're flooded with adrenaline. because They're like, ah, this is scary. I got to get out of here. An erection probably isn't the most ideal thing at that time. <laughs> it's just not exactly the most fitting thing at that yeah. time. So. It makes sense that when you're in your head psyching yourself out, thinking that, oh, my God, I'm going to fail at this, and you're kind of freaking out, that you'll be flooded with hormones that will probably prevent you from having an erection in the first place. So the first thing I would say is um, to really look at that, what's happening there, you know, what the shame that you're carrying, the past trauma, the thought process, and to um, start working with that. Uh, because it most likely, for most people, especially in their 20s, it wouldn't be a physical thing. It could be, but it's very very rare. Absolutely. Something else that we talked about a little bit in the first episode that I was thinking when I saw this question, um, I would love to know your thoughts on this, is just the proliferation and access to porn now. Mm, and, and we were yeah. talking a little bit yesterday, um, or you know, in, in part one, uh, about just people kind of like get, like frying their brain, basically, in, in, yeah. on porn. Uh, is, that, is that like a sort of issue that could lead to this sort of thing as well? Yeah, it could definitely lead to when, you know, when someone habituates to something that gives them such quick, instant gratification and such quick, instant uh, dopamine rush, you know, we are producing natural drugs and feel good hormones. Um, so when we habituate to that and then we go to the real life, real thing, and it's not as instantly spicy or enticing or exciting and that doesn't mean anything like against your partner or how you feel about them it's just speaking more towards the porn industry and how like quick of a drug hit it is to your system so 
um, yeah, so it's, it's something that porn can really do. It can affect people's erections. It can affect ejaculation and it can affect their ability to even connect with someone. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, my personal motto on life in general, whether it's sexuality or anything outside of sexuality is everything is about balance. You know, everything here is working because of the balance. And when things are out of balance, they stop working. And if your porn use is out of balance, like it's extremely excessive and you're relying on it or you're noticing that's trying to change certain parts of yourself or your ability to be present or connect with someone or for your body to function a certain way uh, is worthy of, of looking at and um, starting to be, perhaps wean yourself off of it. Most definitely. So much uh, Eastern philosophy in the whole entire sex health world. I love it. It's I great. I know. It's the combination. The best uh, of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we are actually at the last question here for men because, uh, again, so many we ended up covering in the first episode. Um, but this one's quite a doozy. Um, it's the only one that I didn't paraphrase that I'm just going to read in its entirety. Um, so this is an email that I received from a listener. Um, I am a cis heterosexual male married to a woman for 12 years. We have three small children, and until recently, our, our sex life was falling far below my ideal. Recently, we opened up about a mutual attraction to one of my female friends from college. This really brought us together in terms of more openness, intimacy, both sexually and emotionally. The woman in question ended up being shocked and upset when I brought up the topic, but the idea of an open marriage where my wife and I date a woman, uh, in parentheses he says, either together or just one of us, has been researched and discussed almost daily for the past three months. We even created online profiles, but I immediately noticed the rate of responses for me was approximately one reply for every 15 to 25 messages, and out of that, most dropped off after reading my profile. My wife, on the other hand, got endless messages from guys, um, and this was like adding salt in my wound of unmet expectations. Here are the questions. <clears throat> First, I have self-esteem issues and occasionally trust and jealousy issues. I'm actively seeking therapy to work on this, as I know open marriages will be like adding fertilizer to my emotional garden. And to continue this analogy, I imagine me the best and worst uh, plants will blossom. Is, is a person with these issues unqualified for an open marriage? Part of my fears are that my wife is beautiful, and I sometimes worry that I tricked her into being attracted to me. She wears glasses now and didn't when we were first dating. If we open up, I'm afraid she will be swept off her feet and I will not get any dates or girlfriends. Second, we have been wondering how to get this, how to get started with this. After the first reaction I got in striking out with online dating, I'm really at a loss for ideas on how to get this kind of arrangement started or broached. Third, um, we have started talking about ways to test the waters, such as calling a phone sex line, going to a strip club, and even hiring an escort. If there was a sex therapist or sex surrogate near us, that would probably be the best option. Any suggestions or cautionary tales would be greatly appreciated. Before you answer, this, I'll answer those questions, I just want to say how unbelievably well-written um, that whole email in question was. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. comprehensive. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that was a that is a great question. This might be like one of the most comprehensive sex questions I've had in my almost what ten years in this twelve years in this. I don't even know how many years I've been in this industry. But yeah, really, really great questions and um, really common. I'll say first, I want to comment that this person said I'm a cis heterosexual male, and a lot of people um, don't know what cis means. And cis means that you um, identify with the gender that you were assigned to at your birth. Uh, is that like the gender that you were? The body that you were born in and the gender you were assigned to is, is um, something that you can currently identify with. So um, like transgender people would not be um, cisgender. 
Right. Oh, just a little clue in there, because uh, a lot of people don't know what that language is. And so uh, my assumption from this person, because they use this, is that um, they're 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 really well educated. <laughs> totally uh, right. That yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're from yeah. like San Francisco or totally, Portland or yeah. Seattle or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You live in a very progressive urban city, and you're well educated. Um, and one thing I will say is it is so common for this to happen where a couple opens up and the men struggle at finding other partners and the women just have like a flood coming in. And this just comes down to like good old Darwinian, you know, like men wanting to spread the seed and uh, women wanting more, like the, not all of them, but a lot of them wanting the least more of the possibility of commitment. And quite often, and this is a generalization, of course, because I know plenty of women who do not want that and plenty of men who are looking for very serious commitments. Um, but it is quite often when people have online dating profiles that stay, I'm in an open relationship, you know, they get passed up instantly because a lot of people are on there are like, oh, that means if I get attached, I'm screwed or I'm looking for more so there and I'm not doing open or poly. So so uh, that you're kind of already limiting yourself by saying that I'm not saying you shouldn't say that because I am a big proponent of um, honesty and transparency and not tricking people. With that said, um, I do know some people that don't state that on their dating profiles, but they wait until they actually have a conversation with someone to tell them that. Um, just so that they can like start to get to know people, you know, start to get to know them through the, the chat box of the um, dating profile. And, and like, then all of a sudden, when you guys are ready to have a phone conversation, then maybe you could also say like, I just want to be transparent with you that I have a partner and we're in an open marriage or whatever that is. And these are our boundaries because when it's in writing and someone just sees it, they might just like kind of, kind of X you off without taking the chance to get to know you when they might have been open to it, you know? So um, just something to keep in mind. I'm a big fan of honesty, but I think that there's ways to go about it so that people can still um, give, give other people a chance. I would Um, imagine there has to be dating sites for open marriages and for swingers and stuff. Yeah, there totally are. And it depends on what you're doing. You know, it sounds like the, the, these two were originally, um, looking to have and bring in another woman it, it sounds like it, it's kind of shifted you know it's like bringing another woman that sounds really hot and then um and now it's kind of opening up a little more so that um that maybe his wife can actually go out and play with men too so i don't know if they want to do a swinger thing which is kind of more like a swappy kind of like wife or we've heard of like wife swap or husband swap or partner swap. Um, and there's place clubs for that. You know, if you live in an urban city like San Francisco or LA, there's clubs like actual places where you can go. And that's like the theme there. Um, and there are websites that you can go to. Um, I would honestly just Google online and Google like, you know, swingers dating websites, but it depends if that's what you're looking for. Um, and, The poly, you know, there's different levels of what people are doing. There's open relationships, which is more like we are open and we want to go play and explore with other people, but we're not trying to build secondary partners, you know, like loving relationships with other people. It's just more like playful connections. And then poly is like we actually want to have relationships with other people to become um, our partners, our secondary partners or whatever their dynamic is. Not everyone has such, um, such deep labels for that. Um, but yeah, so let's go to the first part. So the first part um, is talking more about the insecurities. This person clearly thinks that 
um, thinks that they may have tricked their wife into uh, being attracted to them. So that's and um, and my first my first thought is um, yeah, it sounds like that's probably something that is a little like it, it's no, it goes beyond that. You know, it goes beyond the relationship with with the wife. Um, there's some like deeply rooted insecurities there that um, would could be worthy of looking at and working on again and coming down to shame and trauma and uh, worthiness, probably related to parents, because that's where it all comes down totally. to. And another um, applause thing for the gentleman that wrote this in is yeah. in the second sentence saying that he's already uh, seeking therapy to work on this yeah. and everything. So exactly. that's great. Yeah, I love that you're doing that. Um, and so because you're already doing that and you're open to doing that, um, I don't think that anyone is unqualified for an open marriage. I think that if someone is willing to do the work, like they genuinely feel like this is me and this is what I want, but I know I get jealous or I know that I'm insecure, then you could still try it and work on that jealousy and that insecurity. People who are in open relationships, open marriages and poly relationships still experience jealousy. They still experience insecurity. Like I, I know people who are like super poly that have been poly for years in beautiful primary relationships who still get insecure. Like, Oh, the person you're going on a date with is cuter than me because of X, Y, and Z. And now I'm really insecure. It, it, it's just, it happens. And what they do is they look at that and go, ah, okay, here's something about myself that I need to work on. And so if that's how you want to approach it, then you're totally not unqualified for it. But uh, sometimes it can be exhausting. It's not easier, let me tell you, as someone who has done uh, an open relationships and uh, kind of like failed attempts at poly, <laughs> um, you know, kind of played played all over the relationship spectrum. And um, adding in more people never makes things easier because you're dealing with more hearts, you're dealing with more brains. Uh, but yes, it makes things more, can make things more exciting, more spicy, can deepen your connection with your partner, can really invigorate your life because all of a sudden you're having more intimate connections with other people. So I would just really take it day by day. And, um, as you continue to work on yourself, see if it gets better, if it feels like it's, it's, you're still really struggling with insecurities as you work with a therapist or whomever your or sex coach or whatever it is. Um, but that you're still not seeing much shift, then um, maybe consider going back to monogamy. I don't know. But I, I don't think anyone's not qualified just because they're insecure. Okay, before we tackle the second and third parts to his question, I would love to take a little detour here to just talk about the whole life of uh, polyamory and uh, swingers and, and all of that kind of stuff. I it, To play like devil's advocate, I guess, to a lot of this, I... In uh, in you you saying about how that adding in more people, if anything, makes things more difficult, and that's kind of what I, I've always imagined. Like I can't, um, I just feel like that would be so difficult to have all these different uh, people's feelings and things to be worrying about. And I, I guess maybe maybe sell me on the idea or us on the idea of of why like swinging and all that could be a good thing because to me it 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 it, it strikes me as this thing that has has so many things that can go wrong you know it's like I, I feel like if you decided that you were going to have an open relationship and you were married or you were in a committed relationship right now and you wanted to make that open you would have to be fully ready 
for your relationship to crumble six months from like fully ready for the idea that things could go horribly wrong and that I might not be with this person six months from now because we have opened Pandora's box um, with the hope that all of the best things will happen and none of the bad things will happen. Um, do you have, yeah. do you have like stories that you could tell us about times like people that you know or whatever, where it's just worked absolutely perfectly and no one's gotten hurt and it's just been like all roses. Uh, yeah. Well, what I will say is when, you know, you're ha- so a lot of people don't want to get into it cause they have that fear of, um, what if it, what if it all blows up in our face and ruins our relationship, you know, or what if my partner meets someone that they think is better than me and that they want to leave me for. Um, but I'll remind you that people do that in monogamous relationships all the time, That's all the very time. True. They're, they're cheating on each other. They're meeting other people and leaving their partners usually because there's something that is not working in the relationship. It's usually not just like out of the blue. Um, so this stuff happens all the time, whether you open it up or not. But yes, when you open things up and you get like a taste of someone else's energy and that, uh, that energy happens to be really yummy and you want to go back for more, um, there, there becomes a it more, it's more complicated in that, uh, you need to like start to really consider what are our boundaries here? What are our rules to make this feel safe for us? Why are we actually doing this? You know, you don't, it's not one thing, not something you want to go into if one person's a big yes and another person's like, eh, I'm not really feeling the open thing, but I'm, I'll do it for you because eventually someone's going to get hurt. So the ones that really work out well are both people are on board and for whatever the arrangement is, it's open, it's uh, swingers, it's polyamorous, you know, there's a clear understanding of what the boundaries are here, why we're doing this, you know, what, and there's a lot of reasons why. Some people do it because one partner has a higher sex drive than the other and they need to get their needs fulfilled, but they don't want to leave their partner. And the other partners consents to that because they are like, well, I'm not going to up just be able to up my sex drive for you, but I want to stay with you and I want you to be happy. And that definitely happens. And some people just really like to experience new energy with other people. Um, I have friends that are in open marriages that ha- now have a baby that have been doing the open marriage thing for a long time. And it works really well also because they're not super driven by it. It's something they're allowed to explore, but it, they have boundaries in that they have to get consent from the other person before they explore anything with someone. So if one person's out of town and they're like, hey, honey, they call their partner and say, hey, honey, I met someone that I'm interested in going on a date with. And the other partner's like, oh, I'm, I'm totally OK with that. Go ahead. Have fun. Or maybe they're having a bad day and they're like, well, I'd actually prefer you not because I'm just like not feeling very connected with you right now. And the primary relationship is the most important thing. And they would um, totally respect that. And those are the ones that I see that work the, the best is primary partners who know that they are each other's rocks like this is you're my person you're the one i want to be with and all these other people like i want to connect with them but it doesn't mean i'm going to leave you because i know you're my person like there's this is just going to enhance our relationship yeah for sure this again though makes me uh consider other relationships in our lives like let's say friendships or something um and if you have a friend of yours that's a best friend and then you go away to college and you meet a whole bunch of other people who your best friend is might change because you might meet someone that's like even a better best friend for you that you just had never met before in your life, you know? And I could see going into it with like, okay, this is my person. This is my rock, the person that I'm married to or the person that I'm dating or whatever it is. And I'm just going to like test the waters with these other people. And then dang it, like lo and behold, you find someone 
that it's like, where has this person been my whole life? Where was this person before I actually even met my wife or, or whatever it is? Yeah. And so that's, but as you say that they're on, they would only choose the other person because there's something missing in their relationship. So whether it happens then where they choose to leave their partner for this better option, uh, because some, because clearly something's missing, you're not going to leave better for just equally better. Like, why would you do that? That's just exhausting. Right. Especially after point. You, so, so if it's not the other person that's pulling you away, that missing thing that in, is in the relationship, whether it's like, you're, you're both of the same purpose, you have the same path in life or this other person, um, it has a higher sex drive, just like me or whatever it is. Um, you know, those are probably things, issues that would have come up later on in your relationship. And just as I said before, happens in monogamy all the time. Like, you know, oh, I love my husband. We have a great relationship. Oh, I got a new job. Ooh, my new coworker is really hot. Oh, but we're not, I'm not going to go down that road. And then you start to get to know them and get to know them more, but you're in a monogamous relationship. And then as you get to know them as this kind of flirtatious friend, you see more and more about them that is like, so you're a cup of tea and so right up your alley, maybe because you're on the same workplace, you know, the same purpose and path that they seem more fitting to you. And then you come to your partner, you're like, I'm going to leave you for this person. Still happens. Monogamy, not monogamy. Yeah, you're totally right on. Totally right. Man, mm -hmm. I, uh, I love the way that you just handled all of that. It's yeah. You're so right. Oh, um, yeah. I've, I'm 31, but I've lived a life. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right. So uh, the way that you talk about it, it sounds like opening up your relationship would really kind of like hold a magnifying glass to your relationship. Or, or it's funny, like in this gentleman's question, how in, in, in the first part of his question, he talks about adding, fertil adding fertilizer to his emotional garden. It's like it would almost have fertilizer to your relationship and kind of speed things up in whatever direction it was. Like if there is a problem in your relationship or some sort of uh, area where you're not connected to your significant other, this might bring it up you know um but to your point that's not necessarily a bad thing and it's something that very well might come up anyways later down the road yeah it could potentially amplify things for you and yeah that could actually be a helpful thing a lot of people are just burying you know, burying issues under the rug it's just like what they do because it's easier to avoid them or i don't want to we don't want to get in a fight tonight. So they just kind of pass it by and then they have these big things that are really huge differences or, um, or just problems or issues that they're not dealing with. And yeah, so the open thing, um, could have the potential to open up that can of worms that needed to be opened up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's mm -hmm. tackle the second and third parts to this question, which are very similar, um, basically all just around, um, how would we get started on the, on the male side of the relationship? It sounds like the internet thing is, is kind of striking out. Um, what are the yeah. best ways for making this happen? Yeah. So I had commented earlier on the, um, not, not not being untruthful with the with the people that you're potentially dating, but maybe shifting your online profile from um, actually clearly stating that I'm in, I'm married and I'm in an open marriage, and then waiting till you actually have a phone conversation, like someone's already taken the time to get to know you a little bit. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, I have known people to wait till they meet someone in person to do that, and it could be a little <laughs> dramatic because then the people feel really lied to. So. Um, I still am 100% on board for being transparent, being honest, just maybe altering your um, online profile a little bit more, and then you'll be able to get to know more people and might find more people or, um, or more open. And then 
Um, and then we talked about going to various um, like swingers clubs or there's also like uh, poly meetup groups in a lot of areas, especially if you live in urban cities or um, or places where they hold workshops for poly people where they have or poly people get together and, and all just kind of get to know each other and share their stories and um, kind of give each other support and advice. And maybe you don't identify as poly, so that might not be your scene, but you can probably find a scene that is uh, kind of a better um, better representation of what you're what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it sounds like this person is already getting started on this. They're just discovering that it's a lot harder as a man to attract women when women know that you are already taken. Um, and I think I really feel like then that you'll continue to see that because um, they're just really they're they're seeing they're protecting themselves. They're like, oh, you're I won't be able to have you all to myself. Uh, but if you um, did change your online profiles and um, maybe were able to get to know more open-minded people, or maybe you re- reworded your profile in a way that really specified how open-minded you are. Um, you would attract more people that are just as open-minded and then they could be open to this open thing. It's mm. a lot of opens, but yeah. it's possible. And mm-hmm. I really like his own kind of idea about um, hiring an escort or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, that would probably be a very good like test drive of the whole situation with with no, no emotional involvement from the third party. Um, so it, yeah. it's just like, it like because right now possibly for his wife it's like this is theoretically okay um but obviously anything in practice is different than in theory you know so yeah there's also um i mean yeah you can definitely hire someone that's i am in in no way i think i know that there's certain things that are illegal and which is like complete bullshit because it's people's bodies that can choose what they want to do with it um, so I don't have anything against people um, paying money for, you know, erotic massage or sex surrogates or whatever it is. But there's also um, play parties. Play parties are a really big thing. It's, again, in like urban progressive cities. But even where I live in Santa Cruz, you know, people have play parties here and it's we're not super urban. We're very progressive. Um, so getting familiar with the play party communities um, and play parties are uh, open space for people to come and kind of explore playing with other people in a very consensual way. There's usually a lot of rules and boundaries. And um, so it's not just like a free for all orgy, but you go in there and it's a it's a place where everyone there is kind of coming there with a little bit more of an open mind, of course, with their own boundaries. It doesn't mean you get to touch everyone. But um, and a lot of people go there as couples to try to find other people to play with, um, either just one person for them to play with or other couples or whatever it is. Um, and uh, there's a great sex educator named Reed Mihalko. He's based in Oakland, and um, he is very connected. He's more of a cuddle party guy, I guess, but he's very much co- connected with the play party scene. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's ways to find out more about play parties. If you, I think there's like meetup groups for it, but it, a lot of times it's more inclusive. Like you have to know someone who knows about the play party. So, so. that's what I was just going to say. I, I, would you yeah. recommend that this gentleman, wherever it is that he lives, possibly go to like a local sex shop or something and talk to the people yeah. there that that might be like the totally. best kind of spot. 
Yeah, start to take sex ed classes and like get to know people and talk to people about what it is that you're interested in and that you want to be a, a part of the open poly play party community. And you're wondering if there's any play parties anyone knows about. And just the more people that you meet, even if it's just as friends and not romantic partners, um, you can probably discover more opportunities through them. I think that's another great thing, actually, is um, trying to mingle and meet people, not just for sexual purposes, to actually get to know them just to make more friends. So maybe in some of these people that you're trying to get to know, um, like now that your your wife is open to you getting to know other people, maybe you got, try to get to know people just for the purpose of making new friends who happen to be part of like open-minded communities who can introduce you to other hot friends. You know, the more you add into your life, the more you'll get it. Like it just opens up the doors. Absolutely. Love it. Um, yeah. Amy, let's, uh, let's finish this thing up. Why don't you please tell everyone listening, um, about your shop, your website. So I assume a lot of people listening are not going to be living in Santa Cruz. So, but yeah. you do, if, if people were not, let's say comfortable with emailing in a question, but they still have questions for you, or if they would like to take some of your classes or anything like that, if you could please tell people about that. Yeah. So I, like I said in the beginning, I wear a lot of hats in this industry um, the adult store that I own with my mom in Santa Cruz is called Pure Pleasure Shop. And our website is www.purepleasureshop.com. Um, and you can email me if you have any sex-related questions. Like I take questions and write responses if you send them to me via email. I'm all, all about that, and I'll keep it anonymous. Um, my email is amy, A-M-Y, at purepleasureshop.com. Um, I also have my own personal website for my uh, sex education slash sex coaching work that I do. Um, that is uh, sexandpleasured.com. But you can find me either way. I'm pretty I'm pretty searchable these days, and um, yeah, I'm available for my sex coaching. I mostly work with people in person because um, we use the like somatic. Uh, it's a somatic sex and relationship coaching. So. It's more helpful to be in person, but I can also work with people over Skype as well. So that's a possibility. Love it. Awesome. Yay. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you for taking so much time to do these two parts. Um, if uh, we continue to get flooded with emails, maybe we can make this like a yearly thing or something and just keep having you back on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I always have stuff. If it's related to sex, I could talk about it forever. So. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Thank you yeah. so much, Amy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Blake. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys